I used to be so good at being last minute that I was dangerous. I was dangerous because I knew that I could cram things in right before the deadline. Whether it was a school paper, a home responsibility, or even a work project, I figured out where my limit was and I kept trying to push it. The scary thing was that the more I succeeded in my last minute mad dashes to the finish lines, the more I trusted in my efforts. While pride told me that I could operate that way because that's how I was wired, I was actually a card-toting procrastinator that blamed my laziness on how God designed me. In reality, I could never envision even getting to the second mile in any area of my life because I could barely finish the first mile in time. If you have ever struggled with how you spend your time and how laziness can affect you, it's time to go the second mile in leaving laziness. Hi, my name is Travis Agnew. Thank you so much for joining me on what is the sixth episode of the Second Mile Podcast. We started this a few weeks ago uh, with the intention of following Jesus' words when he looked at some folks that were following him and he said, look, if somebody asks you to go one mile, I want you to go the second mile as well. Don't do just the bare minimum. Like go in and go all out, right? And and so we, we started this process of this podcast being a place where we can really dig in and say, what would be the second mile in some of these areas? And so today uh, we're going to look at the area of sort of uh, how we address laziness and time management. L- last month, we talked about some spiritual disciplines and spiritual habits that are so important for your spiritual formation. Th- the problem is, is that a lot of people will push back and say, you know what, Pastor, I, I don't have time to be able to do, uh, to read the Bible or to pray like you're, you're saying or, or to memorize scripture. I just don't have enough time. Well, really, what what uh, while that's a good and valid excuse for a lot of people, we all have the same amount of time, but just some of us are stewarding that time uh, better than others. And so so for me, as, as I mentioned, um, this is such an important thing because for so much of my life, I knew what it was like to be able to wait the last minute and, and turn in that paper literally hot off the presses, still warm in the hand when I handed it over to the professor. Uh, I just I lived and operated like that. And yet something happened inside of me where I started seeing that this is a significant thing. Now, if you've been listening to the last few episodes of this podcast, you may be thinking, well, all right, look, the first few episodes are all spiritual in nature. And now we're going all like time management. This kind of sounds leadership and sounds like some kind of like business kind of deal. Like, is this really important? Let me just tell you something. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us Lord to number our days and so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So that means this is that there are points in your life where you have to wake up and say, I'm not going to live forever. And so I want to live wisely. Teach me, give me a heart of wisdom because I know I won't live forever. So that means this hour, this day, this year, my life is is one time that I have to offer this before the Lord. And so the way that you handle your time is of utmost importance because as a mentor once told me, you only have enough time to do God's will. And, and so anything that pulls you off of that, anything that distracts you from that, that fills the, the hours of your life, what happens is, is that you are now reducing the time that you have to do the things that God has called you to do. So managing the time or what Ephesians 5 uh, tells us to redeem the time is of utmost importance for your own spiritual development and for your kingdom work. And so it's so important for you. And, and I want to dig in the next few uh, episodes first to really see how 
How do you redeem the time? How do you fight against laziness and procrastination and really start working towards a productive lifestyle using the time that God has given you wisely? I, I can remember the moment where this was literally set down in my heart and it, there was a change for me. Um, being used to, to being that procrastinator for most of my life, that had worked, that worked so well for me up until the point of my second semester in seminary. I can't forget it. So uh, I had one semester underneath my belt. I was working in a church and I was getting ready to get married. And I thought, you know what? I did nine hours last semester in seminary and that worked good. Uh, let me just add a few extra. And because I want to get as much out as I can before I get married, let's see how this works. So, so I added and got up to 15 hours for my second semester. And one of those was an online Greek course. It was kind of uh, later on in the, sort of the Greek system, but I decided I'm going to do this online. I had taken a test, and it said what I could take to finish up my Greek requirements. And so I thought, hey, I got this down. There'll be no problem. I'll do this online because it was sold to me by a friend. Hey, man, you can do this on your own pace, your own timetable. So when you get around to it, get around to it. Just have it all in by the end of the semester. So I signed up, ready to go, and I would just knock out that Greek when the time came. The problem is, is that the time just doesn't come, right? You, you've got to have a place where you say, I'm going to make time for it. I'm going to clear the calendar. And something happened uh, a, a few weeks in about seminary. I just forgot about the Greek class. I mean, I, I just forgot about it altogether until one day I thought, oh, yeah, let me, let me pull out the syllabus there and see all the assignments and see when I need to start turning some of this stuff in. And, and when I pulled it out, it was only a couple minutes into the syllabus that I realized I'm in trouble because I have missed about 15 different assignments that were due and they had a timestamp on it and I am in major trouble. And so I remember calling my uh, Greek professor and saying, sir, you, you don't know me and it's going to sound like I'm a slacker. I promise you that I'm not. He goes, well, just tell me what's going on. And I said, here's my name. And he says, well, son, you haven't you know, turned anything in yet. What's going on? And I said, well, let me explain. And, 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 and I started explaining different things and he's trying to listen into my story. And he finally just sort of cuts me off and he says, uh, are you taking any, any other seminary courses? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm taking 15 this semester. And he said, well, that's a lot. And I said, I, I know. And he goes, well, are you working? And I said, I am. I, I have a ministry job. He goes, part-time, right? I said, no, full-time. And he goes, he goes, that's a lot of stuff on you. He said, is anything else going on? I said, well, I'm getting ready to get married in a few months. And he said, son, what are you doing to yourself? And and he was that day as as pastorally and as lovingly and fatherly as he could, he just kind of um, took me to the woodshed a little bit and said, look, don't ever do this to yourself again. There's something off with you and you've got to figure out how to manage your time better. Uh, you're, you're pushing yourself too much and obviously you're not ready to handle these things. And so graciously, uh, because of the test that I had taken when I first started the class, he let me um, take out of that class a, a, with a grade of withdrawal passing. But he said, as long as you promise me this, when you take it again, you will never ever do this to yourself ever again. And I said, I, I won't. He goes, figure out why this happened and don't do it again. And I said, yes, sir. So when I hang up the phone and I can finally catch my breath and stop sweating for a second, I had to start saying, okay, what is the problem here? What was I doing wrong? How can I make adjustments? And and it was a life-changing next few months for me as I kind of just realized some things. And so so what I want to do in just a few minutes here is two things I, I want to show you. First off is this. You've got to stop making excuses. And number two, start making solutions. If you want to use your time wisely, not procrastinate, not be lazy, you got to stop making excuses. And so when I mean stop making excuses, obviously you, you think of a lot of different ones, but 
Let me explain what this means. Number one, if you were going to fight procrastination, you were going to have to address the procrastinator. Okay, so like we can all talk about how procrastination is a bad thing and you shouldn't do it and whatnot. But a lot of times um, when people who struggle with procrastination waiting to the last minute, we blame everything else. Uh, there was all of my professors had lined up everything at the same time. I've been really busy. I've been really stressed out. So-and-so had this thing that they needed me to. And you're wanting to blame every other person but yourself. And so I realized that I couldn't blame the fact that I didn't get my stuff in on time because I was getting married or because my other professors had a lot of work or because my job was starting to pick up. I couldn't say any of that. I had to realize if I'm going to fight procrastination, I can't keep pointing fingers at everybody else, like Adam in the garden, like just saying what's her fault or your fault or whatever. I had to take responsibility. So I had to address the procrastinators. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 or 11 says it this way, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. I mean, listen to that. He's saying, if you want to learn how to be wise, man, what you need to do, you need to look at the ant. Well, you would think, oh, they're beneath us and they're not as advanced as us. And yet the, the next time you have an opportunity to watch a colony of ants do their job, you might realize why the, the writer of this would say, you need to go watch the ant and how they work. You know why? Singularly focused. They get up and they go this direction. They have one task until that task is done and nothing takes them off course and they keep working and they keep working. Why? Because they're they're preparing at this time so they can gather later. They're, they're investing at this time so they can reap later. And he goes, look, how long are you going to lie there, sluggard? You're going to rise from your sleep. You know, a little sleep, a little more slumber. You're just resting, and what's going to happen is poverty is going to come upon you. And so I couldn't point and say, well, all the other ants around me are messing up, or the job is too hard. I had to get to the place where I said, you know what? Uh, I need to look at the procrastinator because he's the problem here. It's not all the other stuff. It's me. So number two is stop disguising laziness by claiming that you aren't the organized type. Now, this one this one hurts because if you've ever done a personality profile, test, you've done the Enneagram or, or anything, there's there's all kinds of stuff like this that right that you take this test and, and what happens is, is you look at it and you go and then you read the responses and you think, oh my goodness, this is just like the, this just nailed me, right? And I'm this and I'm this and this is why these people upset me and this is why I struggle with these tasks. That's right. I'm not wired this way. So therefore in my job when my, my boss is telling me I need to do these things, I can say it's not my fault. I'm just not wired this way. I'm, I'm not I'm not organized, right? Um, and, and the problem is this, is that sometimes we disguise laziness by saying we're not organized. And what that really means is we're just not working hard. There, there's no excuse for it. Um, God did not make anybody to the, be the point where they cannot be productive with their life. If he's called us to glorify him with our hours and our days and our lives and our efforts and our works, then he wouldn't cause anybody to be disabled to the point of being organized enough to, to do what he's called you to do. Even though some people are more organized naturally than others, you can't disguise laziness by just claiming you're not organized. 
Proverbs 13, 4 says it this way, Lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. And, and here's the thing. Lazy people are sitting there just saying, I'm wanting all this stuff to happen. I'm wanting that opportunity. I'm wanting that benefit. I'm wanting that success. But they're not willing to put in the work and do it hard. And we can blame it and say, well, it's because I'm not like this. And therefore, I need to have somebody on my staff who does that. Or maybe somebody can help me this. Or my parents should do this. My spouse should do this. The government should do this. Whatever. We're all wanting a handout. Why? Because we're not wired this way. And the problem is this, is that we're just, can be, honestly, we're just lazy sometimes. So you can't disguise laziness by just saying you're not organized and that you can just get a free pass for being unproductive with your life. But there's a third thing that's also important about stop making excuses, and it's this. Don't blame God for your laziness, okay? Now, now going along with that about some people saying, well, I'm not wired this way, Ultimately, when you say, well, I'm just not like this, what you're doing is you are blaming God, just like Adam again in the garden. Uh, Yes, I ate of the fruit, God, but the woman, she's the one who gave it to me. And if I look at this, you know, the way this happened, God, you gave the woman to me. So this isn't my fault. Eve gave it to me. You gave Eve to me. So it's not my fault. In the same way, when we look at God and say, well, God, I would do more things, but you know, I'm just not made this way. So-and-so, they're really a go-getter and they can do all these things. And man, that, that's great. But I'm just not like that. You're pointing the finger at God and saying, it's his fault. It's not his fault. In fact, I can promise you this. Um, as a believer in Jesus Christ, right? As a Christian, we're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works, right? So, so we're not saved because we've done good things. We are saved so that we can do good things. That's why Ephesians 2.10 says it this way, for we are his workmanship, right? So, so God put us together. We're God's workmanship. It says created in Christ Jesus. And here's the purpose for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Did you catch that? Like we, we don't do these good works so that God will love us. We do these good works because God already has loved us and because he's created us and because he's given us these opportunities. And so when God crafts us together, he has crafted us for one purpose, and that is for good works. He wants you to do good things with your life. He wants you to count your days and to number them wisely and to live and redeem the time. And so you can't blame God that you're not a certain way. God has designed you for good works, for your life to be productive and fruitful and beneficial and and glorifying to him. So don't blame him for it. And and the last excuse that you have to be really careful with is this. Um, You don't need more hours in the day. You need more discipline in your day. Um, So many people always tell me, you know, I just, if I just have more hours in the day or I just need one more day a week and, and there's all these things that I'm just, I'm, I'm begging and asking God to do, but I just can't get it all done. Well, listen, everybody has the same amount of hours in a day. Now you might require more sleep than somebody else, but the reality is this, you don't need more hours in the day. You need to be disciplined with the hours that you do have. Proverbs 14, 23 says it this way, all hard work brings a profit. But mere talk leads on to, only to poverty. So if we're just talking about all the time about all the stuff we've got to do and, oh, I'm never going to get around to it, you're actually taking up time when you can actually be doing the hard work that actually brings the profit, brings the success, allows you to do the things that he's called you to do. So you've got to stop making excuses. But but here's how it starts to, to start making solutions. Okay, now let, let's look at the positive about what you can do right now to start leaving that path of laziness by, by some of these solutions. And, and here's the first one. 
Even if you are not naturally organized, you can train yourself to be disciplined. And you may think, well, what's so big about that statement? I was reading a book years ago, uh, right after all this happened in seminary, and I was trying to to be a little bit better and, and get a couple of things underneath my belt to, to just be more productive and, and be more wise with my time. And I can remember I was reading this book written by this pastor, and he was talking about all the different things he was done um, doing uh, in ministry. And I remember thinking to myself, this dude is a stud. There's no way I can do the things he's done. It must be really nice because he must just be naturally gifted and some type of super super organizational, like ninja, just getting stuff done. No way I, I can do this, right? Um, and, and, and literally, it's like he was reading my mind when I did this because I remember he said, now, you may be reading this and thinking that I'm naturally organized to pull this off. And then this is the next line that he said. Ready for it? He says, I'm not naturally organized, but I am disciplined. I'm not naturally organized, but I am disciplined. And I don't know why, but that day with that book in my hand, like something just connected with me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to stop making excuses and saying, well, I'm just not this way. I'm going to become disciplined. So yeah, there are those people who just make lists and are organized and know how to, to do administrative tasks. And they're just wired that way. That That's great. And praise God for those people because they, they keep us all uh, together, right? But that means that you also, like none of us can say that we're, we're not unable to be trained to discipline ourselves for that, that purpose of godliness in the same way that some people may enjoy physical activity more or to just be more naturally inclined to sports and athletics. That doesn't mean that you can't get out and you can't walk and run and work out and find yourself healthy. Like so instead of blaming that you're not naturally organized, have you decided that you're going to be disciplined? And so for that moment, I just said, you know what? I know that I struggle with organization, but I'm not going to struggle with discipline. I'm going to push in. I'm going to do the things that I've got to figure out how to do to push in even where it's hard so that I can be disciplined with the time that I have. Another solution that's very important. Here, here's number two. Acknowledge your weaknesses and find ways to bypass them. Now, there's a lot of different movement and a lot of leadership talks these days, and, and I love listening to them, and they can be very helpful. And, and so sometimes people say you need to work on your weaknesses. Well, a few years ago, there was a big push and some community and some authors and some speakers saying, hey, look, don't try to improve your weaknesses. You just basically need to hire around them, right? Like you work on what you can do and what only you can do, and, and don't worry about that. I, I get that in some sense. Like, I don't need to try to be a carpenter because I'm just not, I'm not skilled in those areas. And I know that God has skilled me in other areas. So I don't need to push that. But when it comes down to there are certain things that are just weak, like we're not doing our job to the best of our ability. And instead of like just trying to avoid it or trying to hope that maybe somebody else on our staff will do it, we just acknowledge those weaknesses and we find ways to bypass them. Now, you may think, well, how do you do that? You already do that uh, without even knowing it. In simple ways. If you struggle with being on time, what do you do? You set alarm. You know your weakness of wanting to sleep in, and so you, you, you bypass that by setting an alarm. In the same way, you might have such uh, an inclination to sleep that you know you have to move your alarm to far away so that you just can't hit the snooze button. you got to get out of bed, right? Or a second alarm, and, and you know these things that you have to do. You acknowledge your weakness, and you find what ways to bypass them. So in the same way, in that seminary course that I realized that next time around, when I took that Greek course, I knew what my weaknesses were. And so I had to find ways to bypass them, to trick myself into being disciplined when my natural way would just to be procrastinate again. So I, I got literally put every single thing 
that needed to be done in my calendar, and I made a huge to-do list of everything in the syllabus and started you know, doing a week out reminders and three-day reminders that were just coming to my email and, and alerting me at all times, and it almost seemed overwhelming, but I just know my weaknesses, and so I have to bypass them. So in the same way, I know this. I have a weekly reminder on my to-do list right now. Every week that pops up and says, take out the trash tonight. You know why? Because I'm going to forget it. And so I know my weakness, and so I'm trying to bypass them. And, and here's another way to start making solutions. That if you really want to start being productive in your life and start leaving this path of laziness, here's number three. Stop prioritizing your schedule and start scheduling your priorities. So a mentor of mine taught me this in college and says, you know, so many people always use, love to use the buzzwords. Well, you need to start pri- um, prioritizing your schedule. And he goes, no, 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 don't do that. Because what you're doing then is you're allowing other people to dictate you. You're saying, this is a schedule that's been given to me. Let me prioritize it. He goes, no, because a lot of times the most important things in your life aren't getting in. So if you're struggling finding time alone uh, to, to continue to to nurture uh, just relational intimacy with your spouse, like that time may not come if you've got three young kids and, and you're both working. Like you, you can't just say, let me prioritize my schedule. You've got to schedule your priorities. So what are your priorities? How do you nurture your relationship with the Lord and your spouse and your kids and, and whatever else it is? And you've got to put those big things on the calendar first rather than trying to fit them in later. You know why? Because something else is going to take all the time up and you won't have that opportunity. And so stop prioritizing your schedule. Start scheduling your priorities. And then number four, this is it. Be relentlessly zealous with your time to create margin for worthwhile works. Now, this sounds extreme, right? But it's be be relentlessly zealous. Like just be zealous. You are totally committed. You're a little obsessive about it to create margin in your schedule, to create margin in in your day for this, for worthwhile works, for good works, for something that matters. Because if you're not careful, you're day will be filled up with stuff that honestly makes no big difference in your life or anybody else's. Titus 2.14, he talks about Jesus. He says, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Now listen to this, who are zealous for good works. They are totally committed. They want to live their lives to good works, that they are somewhat ambition, uh, ambitious about it. They're obsessive about it, totally committed to it. And I'm going, that means that Jesus saved us. Us, not by good works, but for good works. And he wants a group of people who are zealous to do them. Well, zealous to do them means you've got to create margin so that you can pull it off. Ephesians 5.16 says it this way, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. These evil days will take you away from the things that God has called you to do. You've got to make the best use of it. That means that there's a worst use of the time. You have to be careful. And Colossians 3.23 says it this way, whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord, and not for men. You want to look at the time that you have and say, Lord, it's limited. I don't have all the time in the world. So if I spend my entire life um, just checking social media, um, binge watching every uh, television show on Netflix, um, wasting time doing this, wasting time doing that, I need to go to the ant like a sluggard and say, I need to learn. Like I need to be focused and I need to stop making excuses for why I am the way that I am and start making solutions to start creating margin in the calendar. To this week, I would encourage you, start looking at your calendar, start thinking about how you can create margin to do the good works that God has has you on this earth to do. And instead of just sort of getting complacent in your laziness, why don't you start leaving it behind 
it's time to go the second mile in your time management and productivity for the kingdom of God. I pray that you would start looking at how you use your time for the glory of God. I hope to see you on the second mile.